0: Oh, yeah, what
1: what Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome back. It's a three-man booth for the first time in a little while, and as always, I'm Nathan Strauss, joined by a man who did not score his first Barcelona goal at the weekend as a 19-year-old. It is Caleb Rhodes.
0: Haven't you used that one like five times?
2: You know what? No, but every time, anything that anyone does for Barcelona, I'm not that person. Exactly. Um, but I will say... I feel like the, the intro for Caleb is getting very, very samey. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, I will say, yeah, shout out to you, Abde Ezelzuli, one of the you know other players that Xavi has unearthed. Although reports out today that he has now, you know, played himself into contention to be called up for AFCON. So we might lose him um, in a few weeks anyway. So welcome to the club. Yeah, seriously,
1: that is true. And we're also joined by a man who did not complain about contentious penalty decisions going against his club, uh, his former club. That is, it is Nick Govindan.
0: No, I didn't. Yes. Steven Gerrard, uh, Liverpool legend returning to Anfield for the first time as an opposition manager left with a 1-0 defeat and also, you know, did the classic managerial complain about the, uh, <laughs> the fouls given in the game, which really, uh, you know, made it a bit easier on my soul to, uh, you know, made that whole affair, you know, a little bit easier to take to see that Gerrard was, you know, just as, as complaining as any other manager in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, definitely not the prettiest of games if you are a villain, but uh certainly a very dominant display for Liverpool. Just look at their shot map and you will see exactly what we're talking about. Well, as Caleb and I noticed last week, this is a or this was a pretty dire uh weekend when it came to big high-quality matches, but the one that I think we should talk about first uh and the one that has sort of implications for the ucl draw which i think we'll talk about in a little bit is the madrid derby which was yesterday and i don't know about you guys right now but madrid are absolutely battering everyone um including an atleti side who i think to be fair played pretty well for a lot of the day so uh caleb you're our, our la liga expert <laughs> but uh what do you think about about this match
2: yeah, I mean, it, it's getting to the point where I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I made some, you know, heady claims that Madrid were going to finish, you know, like fifth or sixth, you know, well adrift in La Liga this year. Um, obviously, that has proven to be completely incorrect. And as you said, they are just sweeping aside all comers. The midfield trio looked fantastic. I thought Modric had a vintage performance against Atleti. Vinny, you know, didn't get on the score sheet for the first time in a while today, but had two assists. Asensio um, had, you know, a solid goal. And, you know, we should also shout out Thibaut Courtois, who had six saves, because although this game finished 2-0, Atleti definitely, you know, weren't, you know, they they weren't like totally, totally dominated. But I think this is probably a deserved result. And, Madrid are now something like 13 points ahead of Atleti um, at the top of the at the top of La Liga, with Sevilla following in second, you know, eight points adrift, and Betis another point behind Atleti right now down in fourth place.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the XG for this game, you know, Real Madrid with only an XG of 0.43 to Atleti's 1.04. And I think this was just a case of, you know, the experience, and we talk about it so much, how experienced this Real Madrid team is. You know, even though you know, players like Luka Modric, Toni Krois, even like Karim Benzema are approaching the ends of their careers, you know, this, these are still, you know, three of the top players in world football you know including Karim Benzema who's coming off of the Ballon d'Or nomination and I think David Alaba has been you know an incredible fill in for departing Sergio Ramos he's been able to play both at left back and at center back Eder Militão is finally looking like the player that Madrid thought they were going to get from Porto he's been outstanding in his campaign and I think you know even guys like Marco Asensio who are really benefiting from you know, Carlo Ancelotti's vintage type of man management, you know, he's able to throw these guys in there and they're able to perform for him. And at Letty, you know, they, they've been suffering from a lot of injuries throughout this campaign. Jeffrey Condogbia was still lining up at center back in this one, but I think they still, you know, had enough, you know, DePaul, Koke, Carrasco, Correa, Griezmann, who had all, you know, done very well in the champions league in midweek to pull something off in this game and they just weren't able to because i think this madrid team you know this starting 11 with Vinny, with benzema with like all the other experienced players are just you know a cut above the rest of la liga at the moment where you know the rest of the league are floundering a bit in terms of you know talent and squad composition
1: yeah and and madrid haven't lost since october 3rd it was that back-to-back those back-to-back losses Against Sheriff and Espanyol. And since then, they are 13 games unbeaten. Meanwhile, Vinicius, I didn't realize this, but when he, even in his breakthrough seasons at Flamengo, he wasn't ever super prolific. Like he is having far and away the best season of his life right now with 12 goals and seven assists in, excuse me, in 21 games, which is crazy. Like even in his breakout campaigns, um, you know, in Brazil, He had four goals and three assists and three goals and one assist in a grand total of 37 games. So he has really evolved and I was really struck at how forward thinking he was in this game and his ability to cut inside and out, I think is super unique right now um and do you guys, i don't know he's a pleasure to watch
0: yeah do you guys remember that you know kind of memeable benzema clip where i think it was during a champions league game where he was talking about vinicius and he was like on my mother like don't pass to him yeah like he's playing us. so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i do remember that i was that was reading, last year that it was, was last year. i was i was reading that after that came out you know that was kind of exposed for the world to see you know that was like really embarrassing for both Benzema and Vinicius, and since then they've like really taken the time on the training pitch and I guess in like their lives to kind of cultivate a better relationship throughout the past you know five or six or so months, and I think you can really see the uh, the fruits of that labor um, coming through in this campaign now so for as mutable as a clip as that was at the time i think it is really you know spurn madrid on to you know probably winning the la liga title yeah
2: well i think you know we have to remember when we talk about his you know stats at flamengo also that he was like 15 or something right 15 and like 16 maybe just 17 i think there are lots of instances where you know you have these young heralded wingers and the question is always like can they ever Go from, you know, having a bit of flair, or being able to dribble to, to, you know, actually getting end product, you know, on the flip side of this spectrum, in a lot of ways is someone like Adama Traore for Wolves, who is a ridiculous dribbler, who's incredibly pacey, but You know, doesn't score or assist ever. Um, and I think Vinicius is someone who's just sort of actually been able uh, to turn it on, which is no small feat. And, you know, he's playing so well. Right now, that people forget that Eden Hazard has been fit for weeks now, and and you know can't can't even get off the bench. Um, Gareth Bale has been absent for a while. Um, people don't forget about him, and I think you know at the beginning of the season when I was thinking about why I thought this Madrid team was going to be bad, you know I didn't factor in the ridiculous level of growth that we would see uh, from Vinicius.
1: Yeah, and the reason I mentioned his seasons in Brazil is because Neymar had thirty one goals across his. You know, age eight. Right. Well, name, Neymar is like a totally and, different and no, 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 I understand. special case. No, yeah. I understand. I understand that. But I think it was pretty clear that when Madrid went on their Brazilian shopping spree, that they were basically. Well, yeah, they were looking for a Neymar. Yeah, they were trying, they were they were looking for a Neymar. And so I was sort of surprised at how slowly that the, the development came from Vinicius at first, but it's clearly here. And the fact that he's only 21 right now is uh pretty ridiculous. I will say, uh, Nick, on your point about La Liga as a whole. I watched Betis versus Sociedad this weekend. And honestly, Real <laughs> Betis looks really good.
2: Uh, and It I makes don't, I me don't feel know, better about the loss last week yeah, from Barcelona. I, I
1: yeah. don't know how sustainable it is, but like, I was watching Nabil Fakir and I was thinking for a minute, like, oh, man, like, is Fakir like a fraud? Um, and then he comes out and scores an absolute banger uh, from the outside of the box, just like passing it into the net. And don't think we are, like, La Real are a good team too. Um, in fact, I would have probably picked them to win the game just on the lineups themselves. So I think there's a more compelling top four race in Madrid than ever this year. Uh, but I do think that, or rather in La Liga this year, but I do think, <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Real oh, no. are, uh, are far and away, um, yeah. are far and away, you know, the best team in a lot. Shall we move on? Were there any fixtures in England that we want to talk about? Do we want to talk a little bit more about Chelsea's struggles? Or I mean, I
0: just think all the penalties, right, yeah. at the weekend. I think that this was definitely, you know, a weekend that was headlined by penalty decisions. And I think as you were indicating, Nathan, somewhat contentious penalty decisions, I actually thought the clearest penalty was the Tyrone Mings challenge on Mo Salah that won Liverpool the game. But I think there was certainly some contentious ones in the Chelsea match and then definitely, you know, Raheem Sterling's penalty in the Man City Wolves game that was marred by that horrible Raul Jimenez, like two minute span where he got himself sent off for, you know, obstructing the ball at the free kick, like a horrible, horrible thing for a professional to be doing. Like, I just like that's like inconscionable, like deserve to get sent off. But I think the penalty, you know, clearly City got very lucky by it hitting the armpit of the Wolves defender. So I think, you know, in a season where, I think the refereeing decision in the Premier League, there's definitely been a lot less scrutiny on, you know, VAR and refereeing as there was at this time last season. I think we're starting to see that slowly creep into the narrative of the, of the league a little bit more this time. Yeah, Chelsea obviously
1: left it very, very late on and Jorginho did a Jorginho thing and, you know, scored a pair of penalties. Uh, but yeah, I will say I didn't think City should have been uh, I didn't think City should have gotten that penalty. I thought it hit him like basically in the lower shoulder uh, while he was trying to slide to block the ball. So I don't know. I wasn't a fan of that. I'm also generally not a fan of the red card that he got just because it's so dumb. Like, I just don't understand how you let that happen. Um, I mean, I obviously, I agree that it should have been given, but it's like, you're already playing City. You know, how much more help are you going to give them? um but yeah otherwise it was i mean united really struggled to victory as well and of course it, it took a ronaldo penalty which i thought was also a fair penalty uh, just like nick you said about uh, the ming's challenge i didn't think that the penalty incident against villa at the other end or rather against liverpool at the other end should have been called i thought allison did a great job actually of getting his hand to the ball
0: yeah no chance. I thought, you know, that was just something for Gerard to use to rile up the Villa fan base. One could say though that Jimenez was Jimenez to his own team at the weekend.
1: Uh, am I Caleb, am I cutting that one out or? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I was, that, was, that was pretty good. Actually I, I so I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, I know you um, you like
2: puns. I'm probably the least, you know, pun favored person.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, elsewhere, Leicester battered Newcastle. Uh, which that was another penalty really...
0: that probably should have been given, though. That James Madison,
2: yeah, dive yeah, in it was definitely yeah.
1: it was definitely a dive. Um, but uh, again, it's, it was a good. Oh, wait, we, we have
2: to talk about we have to do our weekly uh, Denis watch. Oh, as well. Yes.
1: Oh, oh, oh no! What, so as uh, as Nick and Caleb know, I was like running back um, to get to this recording on time from CVS, getting my booster, and I was brainstorming what the intros should be. And what mine was going to be for Caleb was and a man who did not score. <laughs> did not score at the weekend. Um I also for the first time um placed a bet on like an oh individual to score. And I sent it to the chat. I was like oh the easiest money I'll ever make. And of course like 25 minutes in uh he <laughs> scored. So
0: yeah, uh, I although also, Watford um,
1: could not score in the uh, Watford couldn't pull it out in the end, but Emmanuel yeah. Denis, seven goals, five assists, and fifteen. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. So this is the first weekend where these these boys know, but I'm very <laughs> deep into my fantasy fantasy football and FPL as well. And this is the weekend where I drafted in Emmanuel Denis for Ivan Tony. And he came with the goods, nine points for Emmanuel Denis this weekend. So he's doing the business. He gets to stay in the team for the uh, the prolonged future he's got himself a spot up there with uh Mikel Antonio
1: yeah and speaking of terrible penalties by the way uh and Buemos well no I just don't know how William Trusta is starting in a Premier League team because the penalty that he conceded in like the 93rd minute was maybe the clearest of all of them this weekend so uh but did you have anything else you wanted to say about Emmanuel Denis
2: uh no I just thought that like at this point i'm once again contractually obligated to like bring him up just to be kind of like you know lacerated by his you know unexpected quality seriously we're, we're when we do our like end of season show i think i'm by far faring the worst <laughs>
1: yeah which is like which is a rarity though right because normally you're like the most level-headed one of any of us
2: um, no right i think i think i i tend to make statements that i i think are pretty well defended and and this time i'm just you know i'm being laughed denis, at yeah denis would beg to differ we gotta <laughs> we gotta find out if uh, emmanuel denis has got like a cameo i was about to say <laughs> you, need, you need you need to pay. you need to actually don't don't tell me but like definitely i feel like that's the type of thing we need a Denis cameo where he's just like caleb you piece of you know crap <laughs> <Like, laughs>
1: i'll say we can send him the clip of the audio from the season oh TV, yeah
2: absolutely where
0: caleb
1: was like if you want to waste three and a half million euros <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, yeah. we need to thing. we
0: need to find a way to to get him involved somehow
2: <laughs>
1: yeah but i think i think what's going to end up happening is is we're all going to end up with denise shirts and just he's going to become like a cult figure for us the same way um, who is the, who is that? Oh, Carlo Pinsolio was. Oh, our boy. Yeah. he. Uh, I'll never forget when he said hi to us with those strong goalkeeper hands. Carlo Pinsolio
2: for context, the like, you know, backup, <laughs> <Or stream>. backup <laughs> <laughs> keeper for Juventus, who's been there for like 15 years now and just like vibes. Um, yeah,
1: pretty much. But uh, clearly the biggest news of the week that is so far. Is the UCL and Europa League draw? But we'll start off with the UCL draw because draw gate. Yeah,
0: I've yeah. never if, seen this. If before. you
2: thought if you thought the Formula One decision making yesterday was bad,
0: <laughs> which I that's just to, we can't. We don't need to. We don't have time no, to get onto this. But like that's
1: it, the it, was different podcast. it was bad. It was bad. FIA decided their winner. It doesn't matter. Whatever. But
2: but now we have. You know, we we've known for years now that the draw is is so rigged. But this time you know, UEFA messed up just enough that that we noticed. I don't know if one of you guys, maybe Nick, because you were watching the, the I draw was this watching. morning, can give us the kind of like down low, the skinny, the report, and then we can kind of discuss the draws as they were and as they are.
0: Right. So obviously this takes place very early in the morning U.S. time, even earlier, you know, central time where I am in Tennessee. So I was kind of like, you know, I had it on. Uh, doing some other things and I noticed that like Manchester United got drawn out of the pot with Villarreal and I was like huh that can't be right because you know they're in the group together and then they kind of like shuffled the United ball <laughs> out of the picture and then like picked up <laughs> picked up the City ball and were like ah never mind it's Man City versus Villarreal like trying to pawn it off like they clearly didn't make a mistake even though the world saw that they had just made a mistake and then it goes on for a few more seconds and Atleti come out and you clearly see that like Man United are not in you know the pot of teams for Atleti to be drawn against and so now you're just thinking like oh dear like like there's some you know, match fixy thing going on. This is some calciopoly of a UEFA type scale. And yes, it did pan out that way when Man United were finally included for the last two draws. <laughs> and they ended up with PSG and UEFA got their tasty, you know, Messi-Ronaldo showdown. But of course, you know, the error was just on display for the world to see. They had to do a redraw for, I think, you know, the first time in modern Champions League history UEFA with egg on their faces once again. You know, Real Madrid, who had drawn Benfica in the first uh, the first draw of the day. We're trying to, Florentino Perez was trying to communicate that Real Madrid versus Benfica should just stay the same because that was made before, you know, the quote-unquote software error occurred. Also, a software error. This draw is conducted by hand. Yes, <laughs> no, but the reason, the reason
2: they no, I have know, software
1: I know. is to, like, safeguard against this sort of stuff I, I think we have to talk about some of the bangers that won't be because like we're obviously <laughs> robbed by P- of PSG Man U at least yep. for now we were also robbed of Interverse Ajax which I think would have been a really fun contest and Liverpool obviously I think got a, a slightly more challenging draw than than Salzburg uh
2: but and then obviously Real, we're also happy as well not to uh be up against Man City. Now against Juventus. Did you guys see the video that I sent? Yes. That uh, Villarreal posted. Nick, did you see it? I did see it. it was very okay. Good. Basically, you know, it was just some good banter. But it was like a bride. Like I couldn't quite tell what was going on, but like maybe running away from her wedding to like I don't know elope with someone else. But you know, the the groom chasing after her had like the city shield on. She, the bride was the Real. And then Juventus were in the car, um, going away. But yeah, definitely some some nutty scenes uh, this morning. And definitely, as I was a groggy and you know getting ready for for work, it was a bit hard to to make heads and tails of it all.
1: Well, we'll obviously end up doing a fuller, a, a more full preview when the the actual game week's approach. But Caleb, I think it is funny that we joked last week about the possibility of Villarreal and Juve playing each other (laughs) and how unappealing that game would be from a a pure footballing perspective. Um, But I will say, I think we've been blessed with a couple of really, really tasty ties, starting probably with PSG Real Madrid, but going all the way to to Inter and Liverpool. Uh, I think Ajax Benfica is a sort of neutral game that could be pretty fun to watch as well. Um, And of course, Chelsea got that Roman Abramovich money to secure them the same draw uh, both times.
0: Yeah, can we just say how crazy that is that Chelsea ended up with the same team? Like the percentage of that was very low. Like I was looking at like the Liverpool stuff for today and the percentage of them getting Salzburg in the redraw was 3.6%. So I imagine Chelsea getting Lille again was around that percentage as well. Yeah, I think from champions league perspective, I think the, the second draw definitely has a bit more of entertainment equal value ties all around. I think Liverpool inter is certainly going to be one to watch, you know, these two are at the apex of their powers in their respective leagues. I think this is really a competition that Liverpool will fancy themselves to get far in, I think on their day, they're probably the first or second best team in Europe. And, you know, it'll all depend on, you know, how the Liverpool team looks coming out of the African Cup of Nations and against, you know, an inter-team that has, you know, suffered from a bit of injuries this season, you know, a bit of you know, sophomore championship fatigue, but have really, you know, come into their own in the past few weeks. You know, they've been winning games and keeping clean sheets for the past, you know, four or five weeks in Serie A, only conceding 15 goals and scoring something like 43. So a very similar record to Liverpool's Premier League statistics. So it'll be interesting to come up against them. Liverpool don't come up against, you know, Inter all that much. We're usually, you know, (laughs) we save ourselves for AC Milan. So it'll be interesting to take another trip to the San Siro.
1: Inter looked really good this last weekend, by the way. I've been really enjoying uh the end of classes because it's meant that I've finally been able to put that ESPN plus subscription to good use, slash uh Paramount Plus, and just have soccer on uh nonstop, which is basically my dream. Um, but Caleb, is there any is there any tie in the UCL that particularly catches mm. your eye?
2: Um, I mean, other than PSG Madrid, which probably, you know, has the best mix of storylines and, and quality, you know, we don't get the Ronaldo Messi battle, but we do get Sergio Ramos returning uh to the Banner Bayou, I think and
0: we pro- get Messi, you know, playing yeah, against Yeah, and, and Messi one against Madrid.
2: Madrid. Yeah. No, there's I think there's a lot to like in that tie. Um and PSG, you know, are probably but both times PSG are probably like, um, with the draws they get because I think Madrid are probably going to dump them out. Um which will be a pretty unceremonious end to, you know, whatever we think the PSG project is doing right now. I think the tie that I am least sure about, um, or, or just have don't much certainty, is Atleti versus United. I think these are both teams that are not playing up to their level, um, and it's hard to know where, you know, Man U will be in February after, you know, a few months into the Rangnick tenure. And so I think that's one where I think could go either way. And I think both teams will probably like their chances.
0: I think that's definitely going to be a game where, you know, someone wins it at the death, you know, either at Letty, you know, scrape through a nil-nil draw uh, at the Wanda and then somehow come away with like a 1-1 at Old Trafford or something like that. I think it's definitely going to be, you know, United have not, you know, played up to their, you know, full attacking potential in this four two 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 of Ranyic's quite yet. I think he's definitely trying to get, you know, the defensive side of things, the off-the-ball side of things, the pressing, you know, as organized as he can before he focuses on offensive movement. And yeah, I think, like you said, Kate, a little bit it'll be interesting to see how far along he is with his process come February. And also, you know, as we were saying at the beginning of the show, How many, like how fresh at Letty are for this game? You know, will they have some more players available? Will players like, you know, Matias Kuna and Rodrigo de Paul be a little bit more settled in? You know, will we be seeing a little bit more of Zhao Felix? I think like some of those questions for Letty are going to be really, really key. You know, what will the state of Luis Suarez be? Will he be back from injury? I think that's huge for a Champions League tie of this magnitude. Uh, You know, as always, I hope United go down in flames, but I think, you know, just on the balance of of the team sheets, I think they'll probably have just the edge in this one.
1: I do think that Atleti have a way of overperforming in the first two knockout rounds of the Champions League. I think this is going to be a really fun tie. I will say though, that this game is going to come in a run for Atleti where they will have Valencia, Barca and Hetafe, whereas United, I believe have Burnley and West Ham. So it's a slightly different caliber of opponents. And of course, there's also the possibility that these teams do look different after the January window, um, I think particularly on the United side of things.
0: Also, I think there is you know, the Cristiano Ronaldo factor of that he is just the boogeyman for Atletico Madrid. He loves scoring torturous goals against them, and he's going to have the opportunity to do so again.
1: He had that hat-trick against them, right, a couple of years ago. Uh, yes, against for Juve. Because for yeah. At, Atleti were up maybe either 1-0 one, or 2-0 after the, the first game, and then it was just all Ronaldo in the reverse fixture. Um, but yes, uh, I think we should probably talk about the Europa League draw too. Uh, and, yes. and not just to, not just, uh, you know, to humor Caleb, because God knows, you know, I wish I yearn for the days when Arsenal got <laughs> Europa League draws, but I do think that it is objectively hilarious that in Barcelona's first time in the Europa League in uh, what? or in a long time they've obviously made 17 straight uh knockout rounds in the Champions League that they end up getting, you know, far and away the most difficult draw that they could have.
2: Yes, that draw being against Napoli who are quite a good team and I think, you know, on paper and on form a better team than Barcelona right now. I think, you know, There's been some suggestion that like, oh, like, yeah, Barcelona will just like waltz through the Europa League. You know, I don't really take that view. I think Dortmund are very strong competitors. I think Sociedad and Leipzig are both good. I think Atalanta are really good. Betis, as we talked about earlier in the show, have been in great form this year. Even Sheriff could do some damage. And then, you know, Sevilla as well. I don't think this competition is going to be a cakewalk by any means, but yes, I am very upset that we got drawn uh, with Napoli because I think that there is a rather significant chance that we lose in the first knockout round of the Europa League. And yeah, don't forget- obviously,
0: obviously, this match is for the custody of the Diego Armando Maradona statue. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, no. that's
2: happening in Saudi Arabia this, I know. this week. How crazy yeah. is that?
0: We probably should talk about that the fact that, you know, Bucca and, and Barca are playing this really stupid game in Saudi Arabia. But I think, you know, Barcelona do have a chance in this game. Napoli, you know, w- kind of scraped through the group stage at the death mm-hmm. with a 3 2 win against Leicester. And they conceded 10 goals in the group. And they've only won one in their last five Serie A matches. Actually, just yesterday, they lost at home 1 0 to Empoli. Uh, coming off of that 3 2 loss to Atalanta. So I think they are, you know, there are signs of them wavering just a bit, particularly, you know, without the likes of Victor Oshman, um being able to spearhead them up top. And their defense is, you know, looking uh, a little kind of mid table Serie A right now with Juan yeah. Jesus.
2: And um, yeah, well, they, they are missing Koulibaly and Mana loss right now. Right. So that makes so I a think, big difference.
0: You know, I think the trend that we're kind of talking about is, you know, what are these teams going to look like in February when you know players are able to rejoin the team, be you know a little bit more fit. But I think you know at this present, I still think Napoli are a, a bit ahead of the grain of Barcelona. But I definitely think you know give Xavi a few more months. Uh, like what I've been seeing, you know, just in terms of his patterns of play. I think it's all down to him finding a way for this Barcelona team to actually score more than like half a goal a game. And you know, maybe they'll have a chance in this one.
1: Well, and of course, because of the Europa league and the Europa conference league, you know, the winner of these games will end up going on to face one of West Ham, Leverkusen, uh, red stars, VESDA, Galatasaray, Frankfurt, Spartak, Monaco, or Leon. So it's not like it gets any easier. But I do think that Napoli are a more formidable challenge than uh, a lot of those teams that finish top of their group. For example, uh, Red Star, who finished with the astonishing line of six goals for and four goals against in six games, which is basically as Red Star a matchup, um, or or Red Star a result as you could get. But I think Leipzig Sociedad could be a really fun contest, especially because in the, uh, you know, two matches, in the post-Jesse Marsh era, uh, Daerot and Bolin have turned it around a little bit. Obviously, Sevilla are constantly a threat in the Europa League. It doesn't matter who they play, but they're playing Dominic Lavakovich and Zagreb, which should be fun. Uh, and even Porto versus Lazio, I think, could have some real potential. Again, this is going to be, like a, I, I think, a very Spain-dominated uh, Europa League when all comes when it all comes down to it, and you know, as we eventually move on to that round of sixteen.
0: Even though it will inevitably be won by David Moyes' West Ham United. Yes. How
1: funny would that be that West Ham versus Barcelona in the Europa League well, final? You, you saw
2: that they were chanting that. The West oh, Ham yeah. fans have been chanting ever since Barcelona got you know put into the Europa League, Barca, we're coming for you. Like literally. They they want it. And and they are. Yeah. They're coming I, I, for them. I know. And once again, I'm not sure I would take Barcelona over West Ham right now. I mean, when Marley scores
0: the game winning penalty in the 73rd minute. David Moyes, you know, he's got that famous win for Real Sociedad at Anoeta over, you know, the Lionel Messi, Luis Enrique, Barcelona team. And like, who says he's not going to be able to do it with this West Ham side?
2: Yeah, this could be his uno, dos, tres, cuatro uh, victory over Barcelona. Be.
1: That was such a great. That's such La, La Liga in like the early 2010s was just like a hinterland. Like when Adnan Januzaj made his his landing there, and uh, you know, hey, he's still just,
2: there and he's kind of balling. No, right he now. is still
1: there and he is yeah. balling. But I remember when after like the second week after he made his debut, uh, United fans crashed EA Sports's like uh, help line because they were trying to get his rating upgraded on Ultimate Team. Um, and so I think it's safe to say that he never quite reach uh those heights but yeah all in all um you know it, it was a pretty pretty bonkers draw or day of draws all in all just because of that champions league draw but
0: yeah but uh, even in, even in the conference league you know there's that whole controversy and i think this like swings over to our next topic in terms of covid where you know tottenham and vites both had to be drawn together for you know their their ball because you know the Tottenham-Wren game has yet to be played, and that group is not going to be decided via a match. Like they, Tottenham and Wren, were not able to schedule a time to play, and you know that game is going to go to a tribunal, and they're going to decide. You know who gets to go forward in that competition.
1: I think it's time for us to to talk briefly about COVID, because news came out this afternoon that uh, United's matchup tomorrow has been uh, postponed due to a COVID outbreak amongst the United ranks, obviously Spurs and Brighton were postponed at the weekend, but it seems like almost every club right now is dealing with some sort of COVID related issue. Arsenal have staff members who have tested positive and they have gone back to the emergency procedures of rapid testing inside players' cars before going to training. And this is all coupled with the news, uh, from Derek Ray this weekend where he translated a Joshua Kimmich interview that Kimmich is basically out for the year and, uh, you know, regrets not getting his vaccines. So I guess there's a lot of places this could go, and Caleb, you and I talked about it a bit last week, but with Omicron's sort of insane transmission, is there a little bit of a concern that things are going to just tumble to a halt again?
2: I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, basically like everything we talked about last week has kind of started to come to pass this week. I think last week we said that, you know, I expected that clubs are going to start to struggle with these cases, and it's going to start to interfere with games. And we've seen that, man, you've had to shut down their entire training complex um, to prevent an outbreak. And I think, you know, what Arsenal are doing, where they're sort of starting to reinstitute some of these protocols that you know they've kind of laxed a little bit is probably just going to have to become normal again clubs are just going to need to be that much more careful and i think the message is going to start to come down from league leadership that you know they're going to need to prepare for a potentially unpleasant winter and as i said last week too we're now you know 2 weeks away or less from the festive fixtures which is a period where you know any slight scheduling derailment can really throw you know the whole premier league out of whack and so i imagine clubs are going to have to start to batten down the hatches um in the next week or two covid was
0: Yeah, and I think on top of that, you have the looming African Cup of Nations where clubs are going to be releasing a lot of their players to play in like a huge international tournament. And you don't know, you know, what the regulations are in terms of social distancing and COVID protocol for that as well. And I I think, like Caleb was saying, you know, we're entering a very congested period of fixtures and if you're already seeing you know teams up and down Europe not just in England you know where there's been COVID outbreaks from you know Manchester to London but also you know in places like France or in places like you know Spain and otherwise that I I think it is going to have to be a bit more of a concern we're already seeing you know in Germany and in Spain you know the stadium cap the limits in terms of how many um, fans can be in the stadiums are starting to be a bit more restricted and I wonder if you know I don't think you know we have the booster shots which you know everyone, please go get your booster shot. Which I think is going to help mitigate things quite a bit, you know, particularly with you know people like Yasuo Kimmich coming around publicly on that issue. And you know Mo Salah as well, you know, an extremely prominent figure for you know the, uh, the African Asian Middle Eastern community you know, coming out and saying that he's in support of the booster as well, I think was huge this week. So I think, you know, there that is a mitigating factor in all of this, but I certainly think, you know, you might see a bit more, you know, restraint and regulation come into play.
1: Yeah, it's also wild right now too, because I think we sort of talked about this a little bit, but uh, like the NHL right now is having this debate about whether to send players because the Winter Olympics is happening soon too. So there are all of these kind of Um, multinational events that are coming up like AFCON, uh, like the Winter Olympics that obviously, I mean, the Winter Olympics aren't going to affect soccer, um, but that are going to sort of rapidly affect transmission and and everything. So I don't know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the PREM handles this in particular, just because we know how poorly they've done it in the past.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you bring up a good point that, you know, this is not just a soccer specific issue. I think so NBA games just today um, have been canceled or postponed uh, for COVID outbreaks. So this is something the sporting world is going to have to deal with. The, the Olympic angle is kind of interesting. I was listening to uh, like a news podcast earlier today, and they were talking about some of the COVID protocols uh, being put in place in China. And it's like it's like pretty bleak. Like there was one, I think, what's it called? Like luge? Um, where you're like on the sled going down the ice. Thing. Yeah, it's Wabooge. like it's like
1: advanced bobsled.
2: Yeah, which is different than skeleton, which is like the same thing where you go like head first. I don't know, whatever. It was like some Polish luge guy, we're gonna go with that, like crashed and like really badly injured his leg. Like this man's leg was like toast. And you know, he's like, I need medical help, like immediately. And the 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 doctors, like for like whatever, the Olympic village. Wouldn't like go near to help him until after he took like another COVID like rapid test. So he had to wait like fifteen minutes after his nose was swabbed before they would like help him. Feel Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme.
0: Come on, boys! COVID time. time. Oh no! (laughs) Um,
2: So
1: I've never thought we'd see the day or he made a cool running (laughs) reference on the podcast. Full circle,
2: baby. But uh, so obviously that's that's a total aside. But I think there's a lot of approaches to deal with with COVID. I think that's probably not the best one, um but well the times they are a changing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, well as Caleb and I mentioned last week, it wasn't the most uh exciting uh weekend of fixtures uh but there are some good ones coming up. We've got uh midweek prem this week we've got Chelsea Everton, we've got Liverpool might they score 11 against Newcastle. Uh we've got Leicester Spurs and then of course uh, we've got some good matches at the weekend, including Spurs, Liverpool, as well, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So uh, may this weekend of fixtures be better than the last.
0: Yes, I do want to make a quick correction, though. Earlier in this podcast, I implied that Letty could go through with a 1-1 draw at Old Trafford. That is not true, because I just remembered that away goals no longer are oh, a right. tiebreaker oh, in right. the Champions League. So I think that makes, you know, at Letty's case a lot harder this time around and potentially, you know, the case of a lot of the other teams, you know, in this draw as well. And I think, you know, hashtag bring back my away goals because that's going to be something that I, that I really miss uh, in terms of UAV competition this time around.
1: Yeah, nothing like the good drama of uh, watching one team sit back for 90 minutes while the other team sort of furiously looks for that that one goal. But no, I do think, I do think you're right, but we will have to leave that discussion for another time because we obviously will have dedicated previews when, uh, you know, European competition begins again uh, in January and February. But for now, I have been Nathan Strauss.
0: Caleb Reds. I have been Nick Gavin and I'm about to go triple captain Mo Salah for this Thursday's game against Newcastle, because I think we are going to, it's not going to be fun for Tyneside. But, uh, and
1: I've been Nathan's Jazz and we will see you all next time.